Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The information contained on this platform represents the opinion of the host and shall not be understood, construed as, or a substitute for medical or health advice. Please see a health professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. It's the Black Health 365 podcast, and we are here to make sure you look good on the outside and even better on the inside. After all, looking good, feeling good, and living a healthy lifestyle 365 days of the year should be a daily choice. Here at the Black Health 365 podcast, we will address the healthcare disparities within the Black community with trusted voices and information to empower a healthy lifestyle. Ain't that right, Britt? I'm talking about mind, body, and soul. What's good, 365ers? My name is Britt Daniels, your fit life coach, yogi, and entrepreneur, and this is the Black Health 365. It is our mission to be champions of truth and change by providing y'all with personalized healthcare information and resources from trusted professionals. We are here to empower the Black community to make healthier choices all year long, and I'm joined by my beautiful co-host, Thank you, Britt. Jackie Page, radio personality and uh, fitness instructor. I remembered this week. I've been forgetting the last few weeks, but I remembered. Um, Welcome to the Black Health 365 podcast. Today we are talking about food allergies and advocacy. And joining the conversation today is public speaker, actor and CEO, co-founder of the Elijah Alavi Foundation, Thomas Silvera. Thomas, how are you doing today? Um, I'm doing well. It's been a busy day for me, but um, I can't complain about the progress of everything that's going on. I hear that. Completely love to hear it. Um, we do a thing right here on the Black Health 365 podcast. We call it check-in. So we just like to, you know, check everybody's mental, see how everybody's doing. So I know I just asked you, you know, how you're doing today, but overall, how are you doing? Overall, um, I mean, in life, you know, we have our challenges, our ups and downs, whether it's personal or financial or within the work ethics of life. Um, but, you know, I, I'm staying afloat. I keep swimming. You know, I'm, I'm doing a ton of things, being pretty much a one-man show in a sense, you know, with, you know, me and my ex-wife, we run the nonprofit solely on our own. It may seem like we have tons of people running it, but it's just us two that are pretty much doing all the work. So it becomes sometimes quite cumbersome in a sense, but, you know, we're able to kind of like navigate through all that process. And I'm also in school at the same time. And then we also have a kid you know, managing so much. So um, just staying afloat and staying, you know, trying to keep a good mental headspace. Wait, did you say on top of all of this, you're in school? Yes. I'm actually in the process of doing my doctoral degree in um, public health and public policy. Well, congratulations on that, but you got a lot going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Britt, how are you doing today? How you feeling? How's your mental? I appreciate that, Jackie. I'm holding the fort down. Again, I like to say I'm I'm moving in peace and maintaining a very productive space in my life. So, brother, I relate to you on wearing many hats and trying to hold the fort down. Um, Also, in a period of my life, in a season where I'm really investing into my own well-being um just got my teeth cleaned setting up my doctor's appointments going to the chiropractor 
um, finding new coaches to help me with my, my breath work. I'm working all the steps right now in my life and I'm, I'm really putting in that, that time and energy into me and, I, and I'm happy about it. Um, with that being said, I'm not trying to <laughs> sound like I'm, I'm being Superman because it's definitely ups and downs. Um, Jackie, what's going on with you? First and foremost, can I say I'm super proud of you because we have talked about this. Thomas, let me tell you a little something about Britt. He is so busy to the point where he just like does not want to go to the doctor whatsoever. So we have been pushing me. Um, and the 365ers have been pushing him to like take care of, you know, himself. So it's really like heartwarming to me to hear him say like, you know, I'm getting my, going to the dentist, getting my doctor's appointment set up because can I tell you, it has been a fight in two halves. <laughs> it's been a fight in two halves. Oh, I, I, know I that. Try to keep it real. I know this is Black Health 365s and we're here advocating health um, and being advocates for ourselves. But, you know, being genuine, sometimes running three different businesses, I don't make that priority. Um, so I'm, I am proud of myself to say that I've been making those steps. And these conversations have definitely incentivized it. Uh, what's going on with you, Jackie? I'm happy. Um, I'm good. Um, I'm trying to think. Everything is pretty pretty good. I feel like I'm at like a plateau situation. Um, I have been working out super crazy within the last week. So my body is, and we talked about this before me doing a better job of actually like listening to my body um, and actually doing what I need to do for myself. Um, so I've been, you know, teaching a lot of classes, doing a lot of workouts. So my body is saying, girl, sit down. So I'm actually going to sit down today. And um, I was really proud of myself. I got invited to like a mixer last night and I actually said, no, I actually turned it down because I just needed the time to myself. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm at like a plateau area, but really, um, you know, just taking some time to really focus on like me and, and, and what I need and what I want and actually being okay with like sitting down and saying no and, and, and understanding that no is okay for me. <laughs> definitely yeah. a power and no to others and the power of saying no to ourselves to things that we probably shouldn't be doing that's not in our best interest um with that being said i'm excited for this conversation uh, we have a very intelligent brother here who has a, a a very impactful nonprofit doing great things in the community um we're gonna be talking about food allergies today and it's funny because me and jackie we were talking the other day about this article we saw about food allergies you want to talk about that yeah. So um, I think I sent it to you via like CBS News and Yahoo News, but they were saying that a new study has uh, found that um, food allergies are more prevalent in people of color and lower economic um, communities, which right. is a little... I, a little, I, I'm going to be honest, it's a little alarming that that is the case you would think that food allergies would pretty much be a same the same across the board no matter you know what your economic status is or no matter what your race is um but to see this in 2023 i'm literally scratching my my head um yeah you know we had an episode about allergies with the doctor and you know the whole time i was talking about what is the mythos of allergies? Because there's so many confusing <laughs> uh, biological, I would say, conundrums about what allergies are and how they manifest in certain people. And that article just highlighted to me, wow, is that economic correlation? Now, is that a relationship to like food deserts? How do we, do we get into this? Like, I'm, I'm really interested. Thomas, what are your thoughts oh, um, on the article? So when I see those, these uh, statistics and these analyticals that I put out there, it's not new for me. 
because I grew up in one of the most, you know, we grew up in a very poor family, you know, living off of, you know, uh, public assistance and everything, living in the most poorest areas with, you know, our households are full of mice and roaches. And I'm an asthmatic and I also suffer with food allergies myself. So looking at that and looking at time has progressed, nothing has really has changed, but it's just now the spotlight that's being put on it. So when we had, during the pandemic, actually highlighted a lot of of these uh, disparities in specific communities, especially those in the Hispanic and the, and the Black communities. So it's highlighting those because we knew COVID was the catalyst to just pinpoint everything. Because when COVID hit, then it started. You started seeing more information regarding that these communities are not getting the health access, and we all know why. You know that's not happening, and then we know that certain communities don't trust specific medical, you know, professionals due to historical, you know, information dealing with the Tuskegee experiment, the obstetric, this with Henrietta Lacks. A lot of those things play into the fact with these communities that we can't trust that, but economical and socioeconomical factors play a big role, especially when you're poor and you live in poor um, conditions. That affects you. That affects so many things. And the prevalence of food allergies is on the rise because more and more people are being affected, but it's highly in the Black and Hispanic communities. Those numbers are the data that's being presented now, but I think it's a lot larger. So the numbers will be even more alarming if they were to do more in-depth research, if they were physically to go in the community, a lot of data that is mostly collected is through a data source, you know, business or company that runs the data through certain systems. And then they they present them with these statistical analysis, whether it's a qualitative or quantitative, you know, method, whatever mixed method that they're using to prevent these findings. And, you know, and to me, as I would say, it's not new, but the numbers are going to astronomically grow even larger. So when you look at our communities, we're going to be continued faced with these with these disparities because we're not getting the right access to care. When it comes to food allergies, with my son, you know, I lived in in Harlem. You know, in Harlem, I didn't. I was middle class, living in still somewhat of the rural areas in terms of like you know, uh, social economical and financial. You know, these things are implications, especially in schools when you don't have schools who are very knowledgeable of certain aspects of health when it comes to black children or hispanic children and we're affected by that and with these these educators although they may say that they understand these prevalence and that they can't help assist in the event of a situation was to happen with a child but that's just it's almost like the um, the clickbait type situation we'll give you the information that you want to hear so we can get the numbers for our school to keep our school moving in terms of financial stability for them. But then they drop the ball when someone fails to provide the adequate care to the event of emergency. So again, when we go back to the prevalence of it growing, the numbers are alarming because there's still factors that has not even been met. If you were to physically go to the community and having our people go to their doctors and and the doctors will listen to them opposed to providing them those short informations and answers and dismissing their care. There are so many people who have fell through the cracks with food allergies and other ailments because the doctors are not paying attention and not providing them with the right health information. So the disparities are on the rise, both with physically, mentally, financially, because I've met a parent through a community event that I did 
she only carries one epinephrine for four kids who have food allergies. So now you leave your children at the most vulnerable in the event of your children, you know, two of your kids had a flu allergic reaction, how would you get that one EpiPen? So now you have that ethical standards, like who do we say first? And the same thing goes with the schools that the children are in. So again, I don't, hopefully that's kind of like, it's, I've kind of like put a little bit more in-depth information into that, but hopefully that kind of like clarifies a little bit. No, Thomas, that was very concise, uh, very elaborative in the way that we wanted to hear it. I'm glad we really just dive deep into this conversation. Uh, so much of the work that you do, so much of the knowledge and the wisdom that you have gained around this topic comes from a place of your own personal story um, and some trials and tribulations that you have dealt with. And I'll let you speak on that. Um, but we're going to use that to transition, actually, um, talking about your advocacy work into our Dharma talk. So for the 365ers who are familiar, our Dharma talk is essentially it comes from the Eastern tradition. It's a small sermon to set the tone for a conversation that's already going. But the conversation basically stems from there's a wisdom and um, finding power from difficult and traumatic situations and using that to speak from a place of strength. Um, and you found resiliency in that and you, you find community and connection and an empathy in that process. And, you know, we're all dealing with things to the best of our abilities. We're all dealing with traumas to the best of our abilities. Um, and when that process, that reframing happens within ourselves, the, the perception changes where we can uh, allow ourselves to dive back into that memory. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And gain something from it. We can take that with us and share it into the world and, and, and really activate a power. And Thomas, that's, that seems like it's what you are doing in your work. So I'm very interested in hearing more about it. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's one of those things. It's like, um, you know, we call it, I pretty much call it like the butterfly cycle. If you look at the stages of a life cycle of a butterfly, you know, it's like four stages. You know, they start off as a caterpillar, then they go into you know, they have that stage of the chrysalis stage and then they start to emerge from that and then they start to soar. So in those process of grief, you can either, you know, utilize that 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 kind of like that framework from being the caterpillar, then going to the chrysalis stage and inside that chrysalis stage, that caterpillar and everything now breaks down into a mush and that mush transforms them into the butterfly they are. So looking at that and looking at other aspects of how I kind of like move forward in life, it's like belief has the power to create and the power to destroy. It's us as individuals to take whichever path that we want in order to change the circumstances of our life, meaning that shift that we need. So with my wife at the time, we could have just been wallowing in our bed and our grief and just, you know, raising our fists up into the gods and, and, and just pretty much just being angry. But you know, when you, you channel your anger into change, 
and you change the way you start seeing things after that. So we could have went hard at so many things. You know, we we have so many people reached out to us that wanted to do like um like a crazy advocacies on you know in in honor of our son, but we needed to do something that will be impactful and that would change circumstances. So within that time frame, you know, knowing that this childcare didn't know my son had multiple food allergies, they gave him the wrong meal, which there was a prescribed one specifically for him, but they didn't give it. What hurts me the most is that they failed to tell us that they gave it to him. So when, you know, you have these investigators in New York doing their findings, come to find out that, yeah, they did give it to him, but if you had told us originally what had happened, instead of negating what had happened, he, you and I would not be talking here today. You know, and I don't talk on these platforms just to get the notoriety, it's to create the awareness that, that is needed. So with that being said, it, it just channeled you know, my ex-wife and I to continue doing the work and the advocacy work that we're doing today not just by changing laws or creating laws in my son's namesake, but it's for putting policies and guidance in place to protect the most vulnerable, especially in childcare and beyond. And, and that's one of the things like every day I suffer, you know, it's, it's only, it's almost inevitable that I'm not going to be removed from the grief. It's just going to continue to happen. So no matter what happens in my life, whether it's good or bad, I'm still going to suffer with that loss. Thomas, Take us back to when you found out that your son had, um, he had a food allergy. Um, you know, what was that process like? And then what was that process like, you know, explaining that to the daycare facility um, that he was going to? So, you know, I have, I have my son, Sebastian. He is, he's 10. He has multiple food allergies. I'm a person with asthma and food allergies myself, so I'm pretty familiar with that. So understanding that my other son, Sebastian, had food allergies, we, you know, we, be, we just become more vigilant and become advocates for our children. And, you know, even picking the right school for our child who could definitely, you know, help with that situation. It, it was the child care system throughout New York State, not just New York, but in so many other places. We've had a lot of situations in child care with both my sons where they given them the wrong thing, even though they knew they had the multiple food allergies. So when Elijah was born, he had more food allergies than my other son, Sebastian. Again, I'm pretty versed in understanding food allergies and so forth. So we kept them safe from the foods at home into wherever we went, whether it was a family, whether it was a restaurant, whatever, we kept them safe. So when it comes to the educational system and bringing them to a childcare, we need to cross our T's and dot our I's with everything, ask all the right questions, if there's a nurse on staff, do they understand the signs and symptoms of food? Al- I mean, anaphylaxis and so forth. How do you act in the event of emergency? When those those questions are asked to the school, and they give you all the right answers, it gives you peace of mind. Like, yes, you know, I have a school that will definitely take care of my children. But then, you know, they fail. And there are so many schools that are failing our children due to that. You know, again, as I highlight, it's like they want these numbers. They want to say they have this so they can get the money. They can do this and do that. But you have to provide the same access of care. We as vigilant parents who have children with food allergies or any other disability, you have to provide that, 
provide that same access of care as you would as a parent. That is their duty as a child educator, as a teacher, and so forth. So it's, you know, we were very vigilant and advocates for our children in any space that we were in. So, you know, it's one of those things that's just very disheartening when you try to work <laughs> so um, so hard to just to, you want to give your child that life, you know, and give them that protection. It's like your child shouldn't leave this earth before you. And, and that's what happened. So with Eli having, my son Elijah having multiple food allergies, it, it didn't it didn't create a burden for me. You know, it was just... It's, it's just one of those things that it was easy for us because we knew it. But when someone tells you they understand it and then in actuality they don't, it's one of those things that can just, it can hurt or harm or destroy someone's life. That's actually kind of scary to me. Hearing you say this is actually kind of really scary to me. So um, when I was in high school and most of college, um, I worked at a day camp and um, after school program. And I think one of the things that I going through the CPR first aid training, one of the things that really like resonated with me was, you know, um, food allergies because we had a lot of kids and being mindful of that. So to to have been in that type of situation and been in that environment where I had to be very vigilant. They actually gave me like a sheet of paper and I had that information about every child. And to hear that people aren't taking that serious is scary to, it, it's scary. Cause I'm just like, what, where, where, where are you missing? Like, how are you missing that? When literally, like I said, I worked at a day camp and an after school many years and we got that information. Like it's, it's just, it's scary to hear that that is how places are operating. It, it yes. really is scary. And it's not just the childcare education system you have from sleepaway camps to restaurants to everyone. People don't really take it serious because food allergy, although it's it's on the rise, it's becoming one of the largest things that's coming, you know, it's coming up. You know, over the years, the numbers are going to grow and grow, not just children, but overall, you know. So there's still that, those factors that not everyone believes the severity of food allergies or the, you have those who, who have died due to that. So unless the numbers start to become alarming, you know, to be almost epidemic like or pandemic like, you know, it is a global concern, but those numbers are not that it's not that large for them to have like the CDC or the who or any other medical facilities just whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sit up in their chairs like, we need to do something now. We know that there's no cure for food allergy. It's all about mitigating. 100%. Well, following up from that, that lack of knowledge, you know, this is a preliminary question, but can we actually define some some general symptoms for the 365ers of food allergies? Maybe even define the concept of anaphylaxis. I might be pronouncing that wrong. 
No, no, anaphylaxis is, is correct. You know, it's anaphylactic or anaphylaxis, depending on the state. So when it comes to someone ingesting a food particle, it can be either fully ingested, touched, smell, there's airborne allergies as well, or, you know, the smallest of a micron, like 0.3 microns or smaller, can be at the tip of your tongue, can create the catalyst of an anaphylactic reaction. It's like your body's response to, you know, in the same way, it's like your body's responding to something that it doesn't recognize. So what it does is start shutting off systems. So anaphylaxis can be internal or external, where you have the hives, where you have the swelling, you know, but it can also affect your respiratory. It can also respect, um, affect your cardiovascular. It can affect your gastrointestinal. Your, it's, it's to the point that there is no reaction that's ever going to be the same, and every reaction should not be taken lightly. Whether it's mild, whether you don't have the reaction, it should always be treated the same. And the first, the only line of defense to stop an anaphylaxis is epinephrine. So it's you carrying an auto-injector epinephrine to provide that first you know, line of care in the event of emergency. In the event that there's no um, epinephrine, the anaphylaxis can take over, causing you to either go into respiratory distress, cardio, uh, go into cardiopulmonary. You know, you have to get cardiopulmonary resuscitation involved with that if you go into cardiac arrest as well. There's a lot of factors to that to that, that it just becomes so alarming. So the anaphylaxis is just your body not responding to those food particles and protein. It looks at it as a foreign object, and your body system is trying to just protect it. And sometimes even with, with having access to epinephrine and using it the first time, it doesn't stop it entirely. You can have a second reaction, which is considered a biphasic reaction. So they always recommend you always carry two epinephrine at all time. And when you do have a reaction, it's you should immediately inject the epinephrine and call 911, and you have to go to the hospital to be monitored. Because it's not just sometimes a second reaction. People can have a second reaction, a third reaction, into everything is kind of like battles out. So, is the because I didn't know that you could have a second or third reaction when you're having a second or third reaction. Is it after you know the the epipen has been administered? Um, is it the same as the first reaction, or is it diff? Are, are they different? Sometimes it's the same. It's you know the reaction can be just the same. You know, it's, it's one of those things that's scary. It's like my son, Elijah, he, you know, we didn't know the types of food that he was allergic to. Every time we presented him something to eat when he was a child, we gave him grapes, immediately had a reaction. You know, he started, and he was one that didn't really have the hives. He will have respiratory distress or something. So we would immediately give him the epinephrine. And me, I know, but sometimes on the way to the hospital, he will have his second reaction already. Even though it seemed like he's okay, that second reaction starts to build up. So you have to administer epinephrine again. That's why you have to go to the hospital in the event of such, such anaphylaxis happening. So, you know, it's one of those things. It's like make sure like when you're talking with your doctors, you're talking with anyone, they have to give you a very robust, in-depth information when it comes to understanding food allergies and anaphylaxis and how to administer epinephrine in the event of emergency. When it comes to the Black and Hispanic community, they don't provide that to them. So, and with our communities not understanding what anaphylaxis means, what are those body systems that are being affected, how to use epinephrine, and also people using thinking that's the, the best way to help when it actually isn't. 
Sometimes it can mask the symptoms of your anaphylactic happening, and then it can make you sleepy thinking that you're okay, but it can create a catalyst of impeding doom if the event you do fall asleep and you're going through that type of um, anaphylaxis situation. It can be quite detrimental to, your, to yourself, or it can cause you to... Yeah, so much to go into that. I'm not a medical professional, just to let people know, but I've just been involved in understanding this, you know, but as I always... You know, you have food allergies or any, it's not just food allergies, but it's, it's, it's either bee venom or it's medication or there's so many things that can happen that you could be allergic to. Talk to your doctors, see a specialist and so forth. I wanted to know why some people who get COVID-19 get it so bad. I found out it may be because they have a high risk factor, such as heart disease, diabetes, being overweight, smoking, and asthma. Even if symptoms feel mild, these factors can increase your risk of COVID-19 turning severe. So if you're at high risk and test positive, there are things you can do, like asking your healthcare provider if an authorized oral treatment is right for you. Learn about an option at treatcovid19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer. Being an advocate that you are um, and dealing with this traumatic experience that you've had in your life, and thank you so much for sharing it. Um, you know, I'm a single man. Um, one day I do hope to have kids. And hearing these conversations makes me just think, dang, like, how early do I need to get my kid in the doctor? Does my kid have some issues? Like, what does that process look like? So as being an advocate, what would you recommend for newlyweds, new parents um, to educate themselves? It's, um, I guess it's what I can recommend. It's like, you know, when it comes to, you know, it's it's one of the oddest things because you cannot have food allergies or your, your significant other not having food allergies. And then you have a child who has multiple food allergies. It's hard to determine if your child's going to have food allergies or not. I didn't think my children were going to have food allergies, but they, you know, happen to have that. But it's, 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 I can't really speak on that point in terms of what to do in terms of like, how do you know if your child is going to have food allergies? That's, that's pretty much above my scope of practice. But what I can say, if in the event you do have a child and your child has um, food allergies, definitely seek the right help to for you as a parent who doesn't understand these things by going to your your primary care physician or your pediatrician where you can seek a specialist and allergist that can actually guide you through this process and give you the right care to get access to keep your child safe and also to give you peace of mind because then that changes you as a parent mentally because it can it can actually affect you mentally because you're running off anxiety and fear of that one bite and that's that one thing we all fear today. Those who have multiple food allergies or whatever it is, we're fe- we're fear of that one bite because we don't know what that bite can actually kind of like entail. So it's it's one of those things to like get help, get go to the right resources because there's a lot of information out there that are not factual that will tell you do this, take this supplement, take these drops to actually help cure your food allergies. There's no known cure for food allergies. It's all about prevention and mitigation. That's it. So in being an advocate, you know, if you do have a child, it's just, it's just seek the right professional help, whether it's a pediatrician, you know, primary care physician, and an allergist, especially in your community. You said earlier that you deal with allergies. Um, so when you had your sons, um, did you actually go take them to go see an, an allergist because you had allergies? Well, you know, like me for myself, but it's in kind of imperative for them, especially having multiple food allergies, food allergies. We don't want them, like whatever allergies we are known that they have, there's a possibility they can have other 
allergens that allergies that we're unaware of. So taking them to an allergist and them testing them, um, there are different methods of them testing for uh, allergies for whether it's like food or or like specific proteins and so forth. Um, they do the testing at their facilities. So it's it was one of those things that was important to get that done. So we can see what allergies are the most like their anaphylaxis to, because there are some that come up that is very mild, but I look at the most mild to the most, to take it as serious anyway. You know, I don't want them to ingest something that they really don't have a large reaction to that later on they do have that reaction to. So it's always just keeping them safe and then, you know, being vigilant. Yeah, it definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, I think that's a good, like, what's your 365 is um, parents, you know, if you do have allergies, that's something, like you said, being vigilant, making sure that you keep your child safe, you know, just being aware of that type of stuff um, because, you know, you have it, your child may have it. So being vigilant, being aware, um, I think that's a great, you know, midpoint 365. Um, also wanted to ask you about um, Elijah's Law. Um, what is that? So Elijah's Law is, you know, it's, it's named after um, my beloved son, Elijah Alavi. Uh, uh, it was one of the things that my ex-wife and I, we worked on um, in New York to basically put guidance and protection in place in childcare centers, because New York did not have anything for childcare. They were only a voluntary guideline that governed K through 12. But just what I said, voluntary guidelines for schools to kind of like adapt, you know, just to keep children safe. But the childcare in New York State didn't really have anything. So my ex-wife and I, we work on writing the guidance and writing the policies and putting it in place and working with the elected officials at the time was um, Senator Brian Benjamin and Assemblyman Al Taylor, working with our district leader, Cordell Clare, on these, these matters and making sure we can put something in place that will be solid and ironclad. So when it does go through the legislative process, that there won't be any opposition that will hold the bill back. So when we de- when we got the unanimous votes for this bill to continue pass through and it's signed by the governor at the time by Cuomo, it was one of the things that has never been done in New York State. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And then it was one of the first of its kind in, New- in, in the United States to actually happen on a mandated law, specifically for licensed and registered daycare centers throughout New York State. So Elijah Show, it, it, it sounds simple, but... There are so many childcare centers throughout the throughout this country that doesn't have basically say, all these eggs in these baskets in a sense. You know, they're still missing pieces. So what we do, we've actually created a toolkit with um, AFA, which is um, Asthma and Algae Foundation of America. We created a toolkit with them that breaks down every state in this country on their guidance and policies for their childcare centers. So what we do with the Elijah's Law, we go to those states. 
and we go in and we close those gaps and those gaps are, are being closed. So in the, in the event that they're missing uh, epinephrine training or access to epinephrine and so forth, we go in there, we work with the largest law within that state and we close that. So we we're currently working. We just um, got a city ordinance passed for Kansas city. We're working on Missouri. We have a bill in Pennsylvania. We're working in a bill for Michigan. We're working in a bill for California. So our goal is not just to get it, you know, state by state, but make it into a federal legislation. Elijah's law is is one of those bills that we want, not just for our namesake and the legacy of our son, but it keeps children safe and give parents, and I keep stressing, it gives parents peace of mind when they go to their child care centers because they have this tangible information when the, when the law is passed to bring to these schools to, to provide the help. I think it's interesting that, one, this hasn't already been or wasn't already a thing. But then two, hearing you say that you're working with other states um, to really push this forward. This isn't a federal situation in, in, in 2023. You, you would think it would be. Is this not something that's just like, you know, nationwide? Am I missing something right now? No, unfortunately not. It's, it's you know, we wish it was nationwide. That's one of the goals for us is to make this into a federal legislation. Um, because it's one of the importance of making sure we can close that gap throughout every state. Unfortunately, it's not, you know, that's why we're working so diligently to make it happen. And it's, it's, it's baffling, right? It's baffling to see it not even happening, but it's what, that's why through the work that we're doing to be our foundation and working with so many like organizations and advocacy groups just to create those things in every state. Thomas, it's powerful to hear all the things you and your organization, you and your um, your, your wife have done on, on and now going to a national <laughs> um, platform. Ex-wife. I was, I was about to clarify that. I said, I just want to clarify that. It's, it's powerful to see what you and your ex-wife have done um, on, and, and now pushing this national platform for what is needed. What can people do who uh, on a small level, who, how can people be advocates um, in their communities? I think, you know, as advocates, it's like advocacy is just a space that is, I see it as not an option, but a, nece- a necessity. You know, you can initiate change right in your homes, in your school, in your community, from educating those around you to pushing to similar protective and legislations like Elijah's Law in their own state. And with every effort, they have the potential to reshape the landscape of food allergy care in these schools. So it's them like, if I was to propose something, you know, we have this amazing, literally the blueprint for you to advocate in your own, in your own state, which is going to the ElijahAllaveeFoundation.org's website and click on Elijah's Law. You can find a blueprint right there or go to AAFA.org um, slash Elijah's Law. We'll actually give you all the information is how to call your legislators, how to advocate in your schools or your community and, and get Elijah's Law in their state. And you cannot, it couldn't be just for a large law. It could be for any law that will put protection for a child when it comes to food allergies. What can parents and kids do as they're entering into schools to make sure that they're being advocates for themselves? Because um, I think that's one of the things that we miss out a lot on is being an advocate for ourselves. Um, so how can a child and a parent go into a school and say, hey, you know what? My child has a food allergy or I have a food allergy and you need to you need to pay attention to this. This will be a what's your 365 for the listeners. So 
as my ex-wife, she puts very clearly, and she's done it very so diligently, and, and I love her for doing that, is that she's like, make sure your presence is known even when you're not in the room. So when it comes to your child having food allergies or any ailment that is, you are the advocate. You are the vigilant person to making sure that you are talking to every single person in that school, whether it's from the teacher, the principal, the parent coordinator, the lunchroom staff, and so forth, and educating them on the severity of food allergies and the information of, you know, what your child is uh, dealing with. You know, we want to make sure that every person knows about this. So when you walk into the school and when you leave from the school, that they understand um, what's going on. So it just keeps your child safe and everyone will be vigilant themselves and advocating for your child while they're there as well. Thomas, that was really, really great information. Um, And like Britt said, I think that was a really good, you know, what's your 365? Um, You know, you got to be an advocate. You got to make sure that everybody is intertwined and everybody is connected and everybody knows what's going on. So thank you for sharing that. Um, You mentioned earlier some of the resources that people can tap tap into, including um, your foundation. Um, Can you one more time kind of go over some of the resources that the 365ers can tap into when it comes to food allergies and getting more awareness and bringing more advocacy to this? Yeah, if you want to find out more about food allergies, and advocacy and awareness, you can go to um, the ElijahLBFoundation.org. We have uh, a bevy of information on there. It gives you up-to-date information on what we're doing and what are the next steps of how we're doing things. And if you want to create legislations like Elijah's Law in your state, you can go to the ElijahLBFoundation.org or go to AAFA.org slash Elijah's Law. It gives you the blueprint and how to create change, impactful change in your state. Absolutely love it. Um, Thomas, if people want to reach out to you directly, um, social media or the website, where can they do that at? Um, they can reach us on Instagram at Elijah's Echo or Facebook at Elijah LB Foundation and um or through the foundation's website, send me an email through there. And um, I, uh, I do kind of respond and make sure I don't have so much going on. I try to respond as much as I can to everybody. That's amazing. Brother, I can't thank you enough for the pivotal work you've been doing in the community. Thank you for sharing your story. I'm sure there's so much to be grown from the work that you and your, your ex-wife are doing. Um, you know, going back to the, the Dharma talk earlier, you, we could find so much power and strength from our pain. And you've done that deep work. I can't thank you enough. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, it's all, um, like I said, you know, we have believed, you know, you have the power to either create change for yourself. You have that. Beliefs have the power to create and the power to change. However you want to do that. It's like you've got to really hone in on what is that and, and utilize it, whether it's good or bad. But, you know, sometimes we went the more light approach of creating lasting impact for change. 100%. This is the Black Hill 365. Jackie, you want to close this thing on out? Yes. Uh, 365ers, if you have something you want us to talk about or cover, hit us up on Instagram at Black Hill 365. Again, that is Black Hill 365. Slide in those DMs. Get at us. We'll make sure um, that we are advocate for you because when we're advocate for you, we're advocate for ourselves and the Black community. Again, I'm Jackie Page. You can find me on Instagram at Love Jackie Page. And my name is Britt Daniels. You can find me at ProfitFitness.life. Again, 365ers, it's your responsibility to be an advocate for your health. Know your needs and make them known. Peace, namaste, and love.
Black Hill 365 is an urban one and reach media production hosted by Jackie Page and Britt Daniels. Created by Samuel Tatum and Laura Lopez. Executive produced by Brittany Jackson and Kadisha Campbell. Editing and production, Jahi Whitehead. Sales and corporate sponsorship, Patty Johnson.